This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halos. Between being on Zoom calls all day, having to wear a mask everywhere, and now using your eyes and your eyes only to smile at people, it feels like the main thing people notice now are our eyes. Arches and Halos is our favorite line of brow products that are so easy to find, pick up, and with a few quick steps, you can have the most amazing brows ever. They have an amazing range of products from tweezers, razors, pencils, pomade, mousses, and gels. Find Arches and Halos on your next trip to Target and Walgreens. Arches and Halos, professional brow grooming. Be bold, be you. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Hey, this is Annie. And this is Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, your prediction of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. In our last episode, um, we talked about the gendering of food, most mostly men and meat, and where that whole men meat, not that specifically, men meat. Um, I have heard that in advertising language, so I thought of that later. Um, and today we're talking about the gendering of alcohols. Mm. Um, so. Before we start, um, drink responsibly. If alcohol is a trigger for you, it would probably be a good idea to not listen to this one. Um, and we're going to briefly, very briefly, um, just mention things like uh, sexual assault and violence, domestic right. violence. So um, if that is a trigger for you as well, um, just letting you know right at the stop. Right at the stop. Right at the start. That's where we are. Or the stops. Or the stops. It, we, today has been a really goofy day. I am not <laughs> sure what's going on. And we have not had any alcohol. We well, have I have. Not. I don't know about you. You've got this <laughs> giant cup over here. <laughs> it's water. Oh, okay, Samantha. okay, okay, okay. Trying to stay hydrated. Sure. Yes. Um, okay, so I think a popular way of thinking about it when we're talking about the gendering of alcohol is beer is for men, wine is for women. Or I usually hear like darker things, darker alcohols, men, lighter alcohols, Women, um, you know, it'll put hair on your chest. That's what they say. If you... I feel like they say that about everything. Spicy foods puts hair on your chest. Do they say that about spicy food? I don't know. I feel like I've heard that. I like how you immediately backtracked. Now I'm going to say yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so doing something that burns, I guess. <laughs> yes, anything that burns. Which is thought to, it's believed that darker alcohols have more of a burn. And sometimes they do, but not always. Not always. Um and we have done past episodes looking at the history of beer um, and whiskey when it comes to this whole thing specifically, if you want to check those out. And I know that I've talked about on this show the, the fairly common gross response that I get from men when I order whiskey, um, that, that it implies I'm a slutty or um, I'm ready to have sex with sex with you. I don't know. <laughs> like whiskey? Ordering whiskey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I never heard about whiskey. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the ad, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but the ads for whiskey are very, the ads for all alcohol is very sexualized. Oh, obviously. Yes. Um, I think when it comes to whiskey, I always think of more like grungier type of thing. So for even mm-hmm. women, mm-hmm. like I'm thinking of people who, in, for some reason I have it in my head, a woman who may have just had like been one of the boys essentially yeah. came in and having a whiskey drink with them, yeah. obviously being one of the guys. Yeah. Not so much to be slutty. 
Well, it's interesting you say that because that is a very commonly held belief. I found so many articles. I did not realize how much your drink choice apparently says about you oh according to the internet. I mean, that's like a BuzzFeed quiz in itself. <laughs> yeah, what does your drink choice say about you? Um, there's an infamous article that I'm going to quote a little bit later that breaks down the difference between women who drink vodka and women who drink whiskey. And one of the things is if she drinks whiskey, she can hang with the guys. Right. Um, and it's written in a way that I can tell the author thinks he's being complimentary of both yeah. women. But it's, like, clearly not. Exactly. <laughs> in my opinion. Um, and we've all seen the joke in our media of a girly or weak drink. And, and like, um, the fact that girly drink even exists as a term, right. that says a lot right there. Um, and when dude orders a fruity drink or a girly drink, I always think of Scrubs. Um, when JD orders an apple teeny, please, easy on the teeny. Right. And I think of um, the new girls episode where Winston, because he gets the girly fruity mixes mm-hmm. that Nick makes mainly for girls. And he goes, Winston's like, I'm being so naughty. Look at me being naughty. <laughs> <laughs> it's so <laughs> interesting so to me that this exists. I mean, oh, I will say my family this is reversed. This is, like, completely reversed. The men in my family do not drink barely any, and when they do, they drink, quote, girly drinks, right. sweeter things. So that's my friend group, too. Most of my friends are the opposite. The girls like the whiskey and the dark beers, and mm-hmm. the guys like things vodka-ish. I love gin, too, but stuff like uh, yeah. that along the lines. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in in my case, like, my mom's side of the family— they're they're drinkers, um, and so it's not really. I haven't encountered too much of this until I like went out, started going out on my own, mm-hmm. and then people were like, "What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Ordering that whiskey? You can't handle that, little lady." Uh, <laughs> Anyone ever called you a little lady? Yes, that makes me want to punch me. Why do people keep thinking that they can call you random things oh, like that? Oh my gosh. Um, I get this all the time, and then I I recently was buying a bottle of rosé. And a dude near me um, called me princess. What? Said to his dude friend, look, she's buying it because she's pretty. Like, he was talking about me in third person. He, he addressed me and then did this in third person. Like, well, clearly he doesn't view me as a human being. Right. <laughs> okay. I feel like that is such a weird concept. I will say I don't love rosé myself just because I don't like the taste mm-hmm. per se, but it definitely was my beginner drink. That's that's yes. really interesting because rosé, to me, I didn't even try it until a couple of years ago when it, like, took off. Well, now it's big. Right. Like, the rosé has kind of gotten its niche. But, yeah, that was my beginner drink. Wow, really? You know, we just did an episode on rosé over on my other show, Saver. Mm-hmm. And one of the big reasons, side note, people think it took off is because it is millennial pink and that color took off. And people just like taking pictures with the color. Oh, is it an Instagram-worthy it's apparently it is very Instagrammable. Interesting. I just remember thinking I didn't like Chardonnay because that's too abrupt and dry for me. Mm-hmm. So um, that's not something I would ever drink. I don't like Chardonnays. But then to start off going deep red was too much. So someone just handed me a light pink drink. I was like, oh, look. It's like in, in the middle. Yes. yes. That, and that's my thought. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, you're learning a lot about our drinking preferences. <laughs> so if you want to send me something, don't do the rosé. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, So let's start with some brief history here. The alcohol industry and women for a long time until our, like, more recent history 
have not gotten along. And I mean, you can argue even now don't. Um, The industry funneled a lot of money to politicians who promised to prevent women's suffrage, probably because women had been big proponents of the temperance movement and prohibition. Throughout history, women drinking in public has been frowned upon and judged as lewd or crass, uh, too manly. And this is, again, sort of more recent history because in ancient times it wasn't necessarily that. Right. Right. But, like, you know. It got a flip and became unladylike to do such things. It did. Who knows what you'll say. A curse word in public? What? What? Me never. No, never. <laughs> uh, and now that women are allowed to drink in public, relatively free from scorn, or at least compared to this, because we're going to get into that more later, you're not necessarily free from scorn. The industry has changed its tune, especially since the rate of women drinking has consistently been going up as compared to men, where it's sort of plateaued. It stayed right. the same. In the 1990s, 15% of whiskey drinkers were women. Nowadays, that's closer to 37%. Gendered marketing and products around alcohol is all kinds of messed up. Um, There are tampon flasks, uh, the wine rack, which is a bra that you can fill with wine. Right. I feel like a lot of this is basically, though, because people think that men are afraid of things like tampons. But that's the one thing you won't check. It's true. That's what it said when I was reading. Because at first I thought, is this like something you insert? No. (laughs) And so I I wanted to read the product description. Wow. (laughs) And... uh, uh, no, yeah, it's because yeah. people are afraid of checking tampons, which... Ugh, hilarious. Yes. Um, hilarious and sad. Uh-huh. The alcohol industry is pretty notorious for gendered marketing. Experts have compared it to how we gender toys. When it comes to alcohol, most of these follow the traditional stereotypes that men are aggressive and tough, and women need to be concerned about their weight and their beauty. Right. Um, And this has negative side effects on so many levels. But in terms of weight and drinking, this pressure can lead to unhealthy behaviors like drunkorexia. We've talked about that before. um, And binge drinking. Right. And with the drunkorexia and whole gender idea, because that's what you were talking about, the tampon thing. It's true. People did soak um, alcohol in the tampon and get extreme drunk without all the calories. Yeah. That was part of that. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. There's a lot of weird concepts. Dangerous and unhealthy. Interestingly, a lot of brands have leaned harder into masculine marketing, even though more women are drinking. And this is because, again, masculine equals better in our society. Uh, Women can, quote, drink with the men, um, but men do not want to be caught drinking what women drink. And this is all generalizations, because I definitely have some male friends in my life that do not care. Right. They'll order whatever they want, and I love it. Get that girly drink. There's no such thing. There is no such thing. There's drinks that you like. Right. Mm -hmm. That tastes differently to different people. Exactly. From a 1988 study, so a little dated, but I thought interesting, called um, Gender Expectations for Alcohol Use, a study of the significance of the masculine role. Sex differences in drinking behavior appear related to two variables. One, sex differences in the purpose and meaning of drinking, and two, differences in attitudes regarding the acceptability of drinking and drunkenness among women and men. Regarding the first variable, data on sex differences in where, when, and how drinking occurs suggests that it has a different meaning for the sexes. Women tend to drink wine, tend to drink slowly, drink with family members or at parties, drink on special occasions, drink on Saturdays, and drink to celebrate events and dates. This style of drinking suggests that drinking is a social ritual for women, serving to allow women to celebrate and solidify their bonds with others and to reinforce and maintain their social bonds. 
Men, on the other hand, tend to drink with same-sex friends or acquaintances, drink in bars in the company of strangers, drink irrespective of special occasions, drink beer, and drink fast. In addition, men to drink for the effect of drinking to get high or drunk, and their drinking is more likely than women's to be associated with antisocial consequences. This style of drinking is also seen as a social ritual, serving in this case to allow males to denigrate, deny, or weaken bonds with others, and to violate rules and roles occupied by others. Thus, men's usual style of drinking has been called, quote, individual egotistic. This literature indicates that drinking for women seems symbolic of attachments to others and appears to serve expressive communal purposes. In contrast, drinking for men seems symbolic of detachment from others and appears to serve instrumental agency purposes. Sex differences in drinking behavior, then, are partially a product of gendered stereotyped differences in the meaning or purpose of drinking. And that has been, like, that's an older study, but that has been borne out in many more recent studies. Um, And I found, I did find several articles looking into this whole thing in different countries, like in Nigeria or Estonia. And in general, they seem to find that men saw drinking and, quote, being able to hold your liquor as a manly thing. And women seem to find drinking in public not necessarily good for your reputation. There are also country-specific and race-specific stereotypes when it comes to drinking intolerance, and I'm sure we've all heard some of those. Um, From the World Health Organization, quote, First, compared with women throughout the world, men are more likely to drink, consume more alcohol, and cause more problems by doing so. This gender gap is one of the few universal gender differences in human social behavior. Right. I actually was uh, looking at the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, and they actually break it down Per ethnicity, mm-hmm. including from the Latina culture to the African American to Asian Americans, and going down to the differences and even the health effects. Mm-hmm. You and I were talking about earlier the Asian flush, as I have called it, and it talks about the twenty-five to fifty percent of Asians who uh, suffer because of that specific type of gene that causes you to flush and not be able to process the alcohol, which uh, apparently has different causes, like whether you drink too fast, drink too slow, drinking all these different things. Um, but it is interesting to see the cultural practices and each one is pretty similar, as it was saying, about what's normal and what's accepted and what's not accepted, what's religious, what's not religious, and it goes on different levels. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fascinating to read through all of that. Yeah. There is a lot of data out there. A lot. I was kind of taken aback and surprised by how much, right. uh, which is a wonderful thing. We can always use more especially, you know, that's more inclusive. But uh, going back to that WHO report, well, I guess WHO. I always say WHO, but right, no. WHO right. report uh, goes into possible reasons why uh, there is this universal difference in drinking behavior. And the first reason they listed is power. Drinking alcohol has historically been a signifier of male power relative to women's lack of power, a privilege often denied to women, particularly in public. I do remember reading about um, in the 50s American housewives who would be in the kitchen, they would sneak shots of whatever while they were cooking or preparing. Because right. mm-hmm. it wasn't ladylike to drink right. in public or in, the, in your own household in front of men. Uh, um, when it comes to health and metabolism, women typically are believed to be more vulnerable to alcohol. They get drunker faster when consuming the same amount as a similarly sized man. Women develop alcohol-induced liver disease more quickly than men, and possibly the same is true for alcohol-induced brain damage. 
Another interesting thing I found is that alcohol interacts with your hormone levels, meaning that fluctuations in your hormones might lead to a higher or lower relative rate of intoxication. So the week before a woman starts her period, she'll get more intoxicated and stay that way for longer. Same thing with oral contraceptives. Mm -hmm. That same report found that men who believed that alcohol would lead to pleasurable outcomes drank more heavily, while women heavy drinkers often did it to reduce stress. A handful of studies have shown a strong relationship between drinking behavior in women and sexual victimization or violence. Men are twice as likely to develop alcoholism. Researchers think this might be because, given the same amount of alcohol, men experience more of a dopamine release as compared to women. According to numbers reported on by Time, 53% of beer drinkers are men, while 52% of wine drinkers are women. I believe this was from 2013, so it was, it was fairly recent. Um, and I, when I was thinking about this, I was wondering if it's it goes back to the health thing that we kind of talked about in our men like meat, women like salad episode, because um, there was that study... Uh, and I'm not saying it's true, I don't remember, but there was that study right. that, like, a glass, glass of, of red, red wine. wine. Yeah. <laughs> it's antioxidants in it. Um, or, or probably I have friends who don't like drinking beer because they, they get bloated. Right. They don't like how they look when they drink it. Um, so I'm not sure. But this brings us to the, the relationship between men and beer in our, our culture. Mm-hmm. Because beer is the quintessential dude's drink, according to our media and general pop culture narrative. I do think that that is changing. Um, or it could be that I just run in a circle of beer drinkers. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I do hear a lot of women don't like beer. It makes them bloated or it's too bitter or it's too carby. I hear a lot of that stuff. I don't necessarily see a lot of it. Um, but... The cool girl, she rears her head again. From the article I referenced earlier, it's a thought catalog article called Seven Reasons You Need to Date a Woman Who Likes Beer. Oh, never mind. This is a different article, but they're in the same vein. Um, Quote, a true girl who is one of the guys? Well, she's not afraid to look like a fool. She laughs a lot, often at herself. She makes reckless decisions, but owns up to the consequences. She burps. She shouts. She tells you to off when you deserve it. She likes sports. She likes video games and comic books. She's a flip cup beer pong champion. She's not afraid to have an imagination. She's not afraid to dream big and fail often. She doesn't care what you think of her. Wait, was this written by a woman or a man? man. Yeah, go f- off. How about that? <laughs> Seriously? Samantha! <laughs> yeah, and I'm not even drinking a damn beer. How about that? Yet. Really? Yes. That's like the whole, you're everything, you're beautiful, and you don't even know it. Bull Come on. <laughs> I like she doesn't care what you think of her. because. But yet, she's doing this for you, obviously. <laughs> well, in the vein of this, then yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, my goodness. And another reason, according to this article, quote, I'll just leave this little tidbit right here for everyone. According to the dating website OkCupid, the single most accurate indication of whether or not a woman will have sex with a man on a first date is directly correlated to how they answer this question. Do you like the taste of beer? In fact, just under 70% of women who answer that question yes are ready to throw down in the bedroom. Okay, how did they even get that statistic? I don't know. Where did they find the statistic? They do a lot of data collection. I, I get they like... Come on. Well, I agree. 
And that's why I included that quote, because it blew my mind. (laughs) Um, And then this is the one I referenced earlier from Elite Daily. Vodka drinkers are girly girls. Whiskey drinkers prefer the company of men. I mean, that basically most drinks we like is one citrus, one part citrus, liquor, right. and sweetener. Right. Even now, right now, like beer even is a sour phenomenon happening. Not mm-hmm. happening. It has happened and it has been big in the last few years. That's very much fruity beers, essentially. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Um, there, there is, uh, Ron Swanson comes up again. This is so funny because he came up in our previous episode, but he has a quote, clear liquor is for rich women on diets. Uh, and I, I will say, like, Ron Swanson is the epitome of, he is, like, the manly man. Right. So that, I think that that's why he keeps He's coming up trope, in these yeah. ones. Yeah. Um, shot of whiskey and a shot of vodka, just FYI, have the same calorie count. Right. Um, I would assume this has more to do with the fact that vodka is usually a mixer for girly sweet drinks, but, again, it... Shoot, sometimes I like whiskey and Coke. That's a common yeah. drink. I don't understand. I always remember um, that scene from The Departed when Leonardo DiCaprio's character orders the vodka cranberry and the bartender was like, what, are you on your period? Um, Which is both a vodka and a cranberry stereotype coming together. (laughs) Terminology we use like strong versus weak drinks implying that drinks with more alcohol are for the strong. And yes, I get the idea of it being stronger in the sense of there's more alcohol in it. But there's still that implication that by drinking it, you yourself are stronger. You can hold your alcohol. You can handle the burn. Right. Holding your alcohol is a sign of strength, which is super weird, too. It is. Because <laughs> essentially, I mean, I feel like the sign of strength is to, to recognize your body is saying, right. you know what? No more. I got to stop now. I'm good. Let's drink some water now. <laughs> <laughs> um, one study out of the University of South Florida found that for some men, drinking beer is a public display of masculinity and heterosexuality. Of course, many people who drink beer also like the taste. But that, I found that very interesting finding. Um, I've also heard tales from my male friends about being judged for not liking beer or otherwise preferring girly drinks. Right. Kind of like, oh, you're owning a girly drink. Mm-hmm. I do. I work at a brewery, and I do have oftentimes the boyfriend coming to tell me how their girlfriend does not like beer, mm. and just like, can you th- can you recommend something? My girlfriend doesn't like beer, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then I have just as many that are like, I, I don't like anything but sweet drinks. Essentially, is what they tell me, and I kind of just look at them like, well, let me help you out. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's a pretty even number. Yeah, or maybe just one's more willing to admit if they don't like it, as others will drink just to drink. Yeah. Yeah, and I I went on a, I read this whole deep dive looking into, and I didn't include a lot of it here, um, but why, is it true that women just don't like beer as much? Like, is there some kind of genetic taste thing going on? Like, they taste bitter more? But the, the article, I couldn't really prove anything except that beer used to be a lot worse. Right. <laughs> like, it was just right. bad beer. And so some people... Um, grew up with kind of just not great tasting beer. Right. Um, and that was where that, that article landed, that perhaps a lot of women just haven't tried anything beyond. Right. I think that's a lot of people, they don't understand the craft of beer essentially anymore. And because you had the one light beer, these two things that are not the best, which I've always liked the taste of beer. But as you become more and more familiar with the culture behind it, 
you are discovering new ways of um, having beer, essentially. Yeah. And it makes a big difference, but a lot of people don't understand what it is or the phenomenon behind it. Yeah. And and to clarify that that article I was talking about was very much in the U.S. The U.S. didn't have much of a uh, craft beer scene until semi-recently. Right. Um, and, but also, like, if you don't like beer... That's all good. Yeah, you don't like beer. Don't I get what it. you don't like. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. In my family, it was kind of like, you're going to like beer. <laughs> it was, Wait, what? Well, it, I just remember thinking, and I had this about a lot of foods, actually, foods. Right. If I didn't like something, but I wanted to like it, I would keep trying it until I found something that I like. And of a lot of my favorite foods now, I did not like until mm. I just kept eating them, eating them, and now I like them. So, so that's what they did for you with beer? That's what I did to myself with beer. Oh, I thought you said your, your family. Well, because everybody in my mom's side of the family, it's a very big social thing. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, like my mom trying to make me like mayo. I still don't like it, but she would try to sneak it in my food. Oh. I, like, I feel like I you have understand. to want it. And even then, again, this is very specific to me. I've never, if someone tells me they don't like something, I believe you right. and I accept it. <laughs> and move on. <laughs> yes. In general... Men drinking in public has long been more socially accepted, even at work until our more recent times with things like the three martini lunch, which if you don't know about, there was all this like politics involved around it in the 70s. You should look it up. It's fascinating. Um, Or Mad Mm Men-esque style drinking. When it comes to the darker drinks for men thing, darker drinks, um, rightfully or or not, come with a perception of being harder harder. Or stronger, both. Uh, and this did used to be the case until the 19th century. Generally, darker liquors were bottled at a higher proof, and this had to do with aging, the aging process, adding flavor, whereas right. for a lot of clear liquors, if you age it, it won't necessarily add flavor. But that whole darker liquor being stronger is not always the case these days. Um, some studies looking into increased violence when drinking as partly an observed behavior believed to be acceptable in this context among men. If you if you witness it, it seems like if you're drinking, I can behave in a certain way. Oh. Um, which is, that has a lot of consequences for um, so many, so many social issues. Okay, so that's kind of the the beer slash masculine side of this, which brings us to the feminine side of it. Um, But first, it brings us to a quick break for word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Chinet. The Chinet brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness. Yes, and right now, that is more important than ever especially when we're all apart. So recently, I had a group and we had a a socially distanced barbecue where the host drew out circles and chalk that were six feet apart. And everyone showed up with their own chairs and beverages. And it was really convenient to have disposable products. And we we just had a a lovely conversation. Um, It was really fun. Yeah. And with the disposable products, I know that the China brand provides durable and trusted products, which I have used before, that let you enjoy every moment of the get-togethers and traditional or now not. And there are classic white products that can work for any gathering or cut crystal plates and cups when you want to make something a little extra special. Disposable tableware keeps things simple and cleanup easy. Chinet products are available wherever you buy groceries, including delivery or pickup. This episode of Stuff I Never Told You is brought to you by Catan. 
This summer looks a lot different than most. We're staying at home for the most part, and many events we usually look forward to are canceled. We find ourselves looking for new activities to enjoy at home. Catan is a board game for three to four players ages 10 and up, although many younger kids can play with initial adult guidance. It's a great way to keep families engaged and off screens, even if it is just for a little while. And those opportunities are hard to come by. Unlike the roll your dice, move your mice games, this is a little different. What are your experiences? The first time I played Catan was at our office game night. And it was so fun. It was quick to pick up. It was easy. It was social. We made it really competitive because we're a competitive group, but you don't have to. And what I thought was just going to be a, a short game among friends turned into an epic game night that we shall remember forever. <laughs> hours we played. Hours. And uh, yes, I lost. But I had fun. You had fun. <laughs> well, obviously, it keeps you really social. And like you said, it is really easy to pick up, which is really nice right now. This year is the 25th anniversary of Catan. Get Catan at catanshop.com slash mom. Listeners of the podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code MOM at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Um, and we're back with the question, is women, women like wine? Yes. <laughs> And usually white wine, I find, is the stereotype, specifically white wine. Again, going back to the, like, lighter thing versus the right. darker thing. Um, and I kept every article I was reading about this mentioned mommy juice. Oh, really? Yeah. See, all the things, because, you know, you see those cute little um, retro photos with some kind of snarky writing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? The, the 1950s house moms or something. Yeah. And it's typically talking about martinis. Yeah. I remember I dressed up as quote-unquote, uh, 1950s housewife, and I had a martini glass as one of my props. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I feel like martinis were just huge, though. I guess so, because it also, same thing with um, men in the James Bond. Yeah, there, there was a diet that I find funny now. I'm sure it wasn't funny then, but there was a diet called, like, the... The steak diet, the man steak diet. It was a diet for men, and it was you have to eat at least one steak a day and drink at least one martini. Oh, a day. I remember you talking about this in the that episode. Okay, that was weird. It's a it's a real thing, right? And I feel like it was just dudes being like, I want to eat my steak and drink my martini and not have anybody give me any guff about it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I guess in my head. It's like I always see get mommy a martini. That's uh, how I've seen it. I definitely mm. see the white wine, too, because Chardonnay has always been kind of the mama drink as yeah. well, it seemed. Yeah, I feel like it's just become a, kind of a meme almost. Like, right. Like, that you're your mom and you can you can drink, too. Whoa. Right. <laughs> um, we did an episode a while back on women drinking more wine in general to deal with the patriarchy. and Because women are drinking more. And um, going back to that reason why women drink that we mentioned earlier— it is usually either social or to deal with stress. Right. Um, and sometimes that that can, I'm sure, overlap. Uh, yeah, definitely. That's the happy hour. That's the happy hour, yeah. Um, but looking at something like mommy juice, that name does suggest, um, see, we are more than just mom. We have other dimensions. And we often see 
or hear women saying stuff like this. Like, I've earned this. I needed this. It might be your friend's advice when you're going through something. Um, get get some wine or get beer, right. whatever it is. Newly sober writer Christy Coulter over at Vox wrote, quote, maybe all that wine is an Instagram filter for our own lives so we don't see how sallow and cracked they've become. It's quite the read. Um, <laughs> And women do have a different set of fears when it comes to drinking. I mean, one of the obvious ones being someone's going to put something in your drink. Uh, Fear of sexual assault is frequently a factor, um, even subconsciously, for how much a woman drinks in public. There have been surveys looking at, like, why— trying to get to the bottom of why women drink less in general than men. Um, And that was was a big reason. Um, A lot of women linked public drunkenness to spoiled sexual reputation— are are being judged more harshly. And I have so, I've seen this. If a dude is super intoxicated, it's like, oh, ah, Jim is wasted. It's so funny. But if a woman is super intoxicated, it's like, look how pathetic and sad she is. She's so sloppy. Like, poor, poor thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, when I was at Dragon Con, I dropped a beer bottle and it shattered and I wasn't drunk or tipsy, but I had my Captain America shield and my Winter Soldier arm and all the superhero gear is not conducive to holding a drink, it turns out. I was trying to text somebody. Too much was happening. Um, I have seen people with koozies in their Captain America shield. I was going to say, don't you have like a cup holder in your Captain America shield? I feel shield? like I'd forget and I'd like put it, I would lean, let it drop oh. and it would fall out. Anyway, I'm looking into it, but... People did the most dramatic of movie gasps, and they started whispering. Um, I I felt so horrible and embarrassed by it, Um, and my brain still keeps me up at night about this. Really? It's one of those things, you know, when your brain is like, remember that time you did this really ridiculous thing? Yeah, um, and I'll probably see—I was with people I kind of— we, we see each other every year at Dragon Con, but we don't know each other super well. Right. Um, so I'll probably see them again this year, and I bet you, I bet you, I bet you they're going to bring Just it up. Just from dropping a bottle? Yeah. Cute. I would have been more concerned if I fell or something. That's the thing is, like, I get it at Dragon Con because people are usually drunk, and I usually get drunk. Right. But in this particular instance... I wasn't. I'm just clumsy. And no one believed me about it. That's so weird. Yeah. And I well, if anyone has saw that the the winter soldier dropped the, the bottle of beer outside of the Marriott, that was me. That was me. <laughs> uh, another thing women cited when it came to concerns around drinking in public or how much they would drink in public is the value of social currency online diminished when photos of unflattering drunken behavior are posted. Like a lot of them said they like go out and untag. And oh, yeah. Yeah, if they're in a picture where it doesn't look, they don't like how it looks. If they just think they look drunk. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, at this point in time with social media, you could lose a job. That teacher totally who had true. a drink in her hand, nothing implied she was drunk, nothing implied she was anywhere near kids, mm-hmm. but she lost her job as a teacher. Yeah. That was absurd. Yeah, I, I sometimes struggle with, like I said, I don't, in my family, drinking wasn't, it was just kind of a thing. Right. Um, so I didn't really grow up with this mentality that I know a lot of people have. So sometimes I forget, and like to me, you can just have one drink at lunch, right. and that's fine. 
But I've been around people who are clearly uncomfortable when I do that. Right. I mean, I'm definitely one of those that didn't grow up with it. So having alcohol in my picture is not my favorite thing. Yeah. As well as the fact that I do work for a state sure. government. And so I'm very, very cautious. I try to hide as many things as possible. Of course, to a certain extent, I'm like, this is just being an adult and being active and there's nothing truly wrong here. However, it does go through my mind. I'm like, how yeah. how does this how is this gonna be perceived? Yes. Yes. Um and something else. Uh, a lot of women cited when they were talking about um, concerns around drinking was, in general, um, pregnancy. They might be pregnant and not know it. Um, and that is something else uh, researchers have looked into. The fact that women do have to give up alcohol if they become pregnant is this somehow... Like, a lot of women give it up and then don't return to it. Right. Um, and then something else, a loss of custody of a child. Well, now there's one more thing with the new laws that's coming about is um, possibly endangering children. That's true. Since now we have the new prenatal laws Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to health and abuse of fetuses. So that's one more thing that's going to have to be something for women to think on. So there is a lot of different, a different set of fears, Mm -hmm. shall we say. Um, And for me, I do feel like a lot of the drinking that women do is done within the bounds of femininity, whether that's the intention or not. Like, um, it's acceptable for women to drink light beer or uh, skinny wine, which is a brand, um, because doing so, you're still recognizing beauty as your social currency. Um, You can drink, but only if you stick to these rules or you're purposefully going against them to be, again, one of the guys. Um, but more and more, we are bucking that. And people people know I love light beer. <laughs> when you're outside or you're in it for a long haul, like if you're at an all-day type thing, I love it. And what I don't love is that people always, always <laughs> make fun of me for it or imply I'm a basic bitch. And then, as the day goes on, what do they start drinking? The light beer that I brought to the party. I like this is a very personal it thing is, for you. It makes me so mad. <laughs> um, so I don't want to judge anyone. Like when I say drinking is done the bounds of femininity, I like a lot of these things. Right, <laughs> right. I was going to say I definitely will try to limit the caloric intake as well when it comes to drinking because it does stack up so high. Yeah. And I am more likely to... Uh, do the lighter things if I know I'm going for the long haul as well. But typically, I don't I don't buy light beers. I think I've done the whole, you were talking about basic bitch, which, by the way, is not a great term and awful. No. Um, not a great term. It's not, it's not nice in general. No, no it's not. Um, but I started buying the seltzer waters, hard seltzer water, mm-hmm. partially because of that whole, okay, I want to drink something, and I want something fruity and light, but I don't want to, you know, end up... All in. Yeah. (laughs) In the first hour. That is a big trend that's happening. Um, A movement towards uh, lower ABV um, drinks. And and also something that I'm really happy to see, um, more non-alcoholic drinks. Because I do have several friends who are sober. And every time I see non-alcoholic drink section on a menu that is more than just soda, um, soda and water, it makes me very, very happy. Right. And without the gluten-free stuff. Yeah, yeah. I have a friend who is celiac, and she misses beer desperately, so gets so excited when she sees a gluten-free option. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 
We did do an episode on non-alcoholic drinks on on the other show, Saver, and I caught myself almost saying something like, not a real drink, which is total nonsense. Right. So it's something that I've been, I had to, like, reframe in my own mind. Um, but there there are other positive things, too. There's a, a couple of clubs, like Women Who Whiskey, which is a whiskey club mm-hmm. with 20 chapters across the U.S., um, there are more women involved in things like brewing and distilling. Right. Speaking of societies or clubs, uh, Pink Boot Society is a focus on female breweries as well. That's it's kind of opened up very big um, around the country as well. So the country, maybe even more. Just around. They've been around. They, they're around. They're around. They're around. Um, as well as different brewers have been popping up as being female-owned, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Uh, and where we're getting more and more win- women who we've already talked about it. I know that the original brewers, female, yeah. um, and what that looked like, as well as the fact um, trying to come back into the fact that women do like beer. Surprise. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends started a festival, Dames and Drugs, uh-huh. in celebrating women in the brewing industry. And, and usually that brings about having different local breweries bring in their female employees to create a beer on their own if they're not already doing it, yeah. which is fantastic. I think it's slowly up and coming, as well as the fact that, yeah, I actually know about beers. I actually know about hops and grains and, you know, the aging process. Surprise! Mm-hmm. And I can tell you what you may or may not like. I am actually good at beers. You are. Who knew? You are. There's a what is now kind of a funny picture <laughs> of us. <laughs> we have together. several funny pictures. We do. We had several run-ins before mm-hmm. we became like friends. We'd I think we'd met each other in passing. Well, this I think this was before we met each other though. With the initial initial. Yeah. Uh, there's a picture of I was at an event for the Atlanta Science Festival called the Science of Sour Beer. Right. And uh, there's a picture of me getting a beer. I was serving you a beer. I was, and and then our friend Caroline, who you know, stuff I've never told you, unladylike, was like, Mm -hmm. "Wait, you two? I know both of you. You're in this picture. What is going on?" And I think we were trying to figure out what was happening and how we missed. Well, of course, we missed each other because we didn't know each other at that point in time. No, we didn't. But yeah, I do love that picture because I'm pretty sure. Well, not only were they doing fantastic tours and talking about fermentation and mm-hmm. sour beers and different fruits and all of that, I was one of the ones who was also talking about these are the types of beers that we have and how we do this and what they do with this. So I was like, ha see, I know science about beer. Yeah. Yeah. Even before you knew me. I also ran into Martin Freeman that day. Oh. <laughs> I was wearing a Captain America shirt and he gave me the old... Point and nod. He seems like a point and nod kind of guy. <laughs> he did. And I was, I played it cool because I am cool. Um, one other thing I did want to add, uh, going back to the the non-alcoholic drinks, because I just got kind of curious, um, why do we call them, sometimes call them, virgin? And it comes from uh, during the, the 1920s in America, which was the height of temperance and prohibition. It meant pure and untouched. Of course. By sin. Like a virgin. Ooh. Oh, touched for the very first time. You're doing a lot of singing. Today. I'm look. This is all I can contribute today. <laughs> Maybe Madonna got got her inspiration from this. <laughs> um, in March 2018, Scottish Parliament held an event looking into the sexualization of women in alcohol advertising. 
Two of the report authors said, quote, although men are about twice as likely as women to die from alcohol-related causes, media discussion often focuses on the perceived problem of women's drinking with moralistic and stigmatizing attitudes featuring strongly in public discussions. We've been trying to explore why this happens and to suggest how we can counter cynical marketing by alcohol producers that exploit rather than emancipate women, as well as suggesting how support services can be more women-friendly. And the chief executive over at the Institute for Alcohol Studies, Catherine Brown, said, the sexualization of women in alcohol marketing may be working to undermine gender equality and ultimately desensitize public attitudes towards domestic abuse and sexual assault. We need to see an end to such practices and learn from other countries such as France, which restrict alcohol advertising to protect against adverse outcomes. Right. So that's what happens with the acquaintance rape cases. Oftentimes the first question is, were you drinking? Yes. Were you intoxicated? And this kind of whole idea that you're responsible if you start drinking. You're the reason that this happened to you, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Um, we have some more for you listeners, but first we're going to pause for one more quick break for word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So we know, listeners, it's been rough for a lot of people out there, and we've been very open about our experiences with therapy and how it's been so helpful for us in the past and in the present. And because of that, we wanted to highlight a service that we think might be of help to you all, BetterHelp, which offers licensed online counselors who are trained to listen and to help. You can talk with your counselors in a private online environment at your own convenience from wherever you're comfortable. And BetterHelp counselors have expertise in a broad range of areas. They can give you access to help that might not be available in your area. And you just have to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then get matched with a counselor in under 48 hours. BetterHelp is an affordable option and our listeners get 10% off your first month with a discount code MOMSTUFF. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash MomStuff. That's BetterHelp.com slash MomStuff. Talk to a therapist online and get help. Got to tell you about Best Fiends. It's the game pretty much everybody's talking about. Morgan number two plays it sometimes before we start the show. You know, it really challenges your brain with the fun puzzles, but it's also a very casual game, so it won't stress you out, which is perfect these days, right? What's great is you can use the game as a way to connect with your friends and your family all while social distancing. The game is so much more than your average mobile puzzle game. It's five-star rated with over 100 million downloads, thousands of fun levels, and tons of characters to collect. You know, there are new in-game challenges and events every month, so the game's always fresh. You'll never be bored with it. You can even play the game without using Wi-Fi. So, here we go. You don't want to miss out on the game. Join millions of Americans and a lot of us here on the show who are already playing this fun puzzle game. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play today. Just go over there, hit download Best Fiends for free, Apple App Store or Google Play. That's Friends Without the R, Best Fiends. Check it out. I do think you'll like it. Friends Without the R, Best Fiends. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And I, I know there is a lot of conversation right now that I find really fascinating around the idea of, and I think this is this could be said for a lot of industries because we're just in a time of change with so much change, but um, kind of this, what for so long has been, even though it was started by women perhaps, um, dominated by men, this male industry, 
that by drinking, you're dealing with the patriarchy even though you're participating in the patriarchy. Like, it's a it's the male industry telling you, yeah, you want to drink this, you want to be part of the, the group, you want to be part of men. Women, you can. it kind of reminds me of that whole cigarette thing, how, how right. happened with that. Um, and I just, I read a lot of interesting, like, I'm still kind of processing it, but uh, pieces about um, how women might be drinking because they're so frustrated with, all of this stuff, all of this stuff right. that's happening. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we're going to have more and more statistics over what's happened in the last two years alone uh, with our social climate, and I say our in the U.S. alone, and how things have been more and more restricted mm-hmm. for the femme population mm-hmm. and wondering how high the alcoholism con- you know, problems are because of the stress level and all of that as you were speaking. Yeah. Because um, I know we've already talked about therapy and such going up. Yeah, because of this time frame and just in general, the overall universal stress that's coming from just politics alone, mm-hmm. just conversations, those social ex- expectations alone. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There are a lot of there's a lot of stuff being written about it right now, and and like advising you to <laughs> not blunt away your your anger with alcohol. As women, but I, I just I find I find I'm glad this conversation is happening, um, and and I, there's also a lot of conversation, and we didn't really get into it today about how the alcohol industry targets um, youth, right? Um, with like they're they're very sweet kind of it tastes like juice, right? Drinks. Um, so that's another problem that um, that we need to we need to look into. I would love to talk about today's youth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we can do that. We can. But in the meantime, this is the end of this episode. Uh, we would love to hear any um, stereotypes you've encountered. Right. Um, anything that, any clubs maybe, or something that you find hopeful about this whole whole situation. You can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast and on Instagram at StuffMomNeverToldYou. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. In this time of pandemic and revolution, do you find yourself frustrated at high levels of corruption and inequality, at our inability to get basic things done, at the persistence of systemic racism? You're not alone. I'm Baratunde Thurston, author, activist, and comedian. Our democratic experiment is at a tipping point, but which way we tip is up to us. Listen to How to Citizen with Baratunde on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Paper Ghosts is a true crime podcast that investigates the search for the person responsible for the abductions of four missing girls in neighboring New England towns. For more than 50 years, each case has remained unsolved. Every day is like being lost in limbo. I pray every day that we find Lisa so we can go on. It wasn't until this past year that things took an unexpected turn, a breakthrough. 
answers to decades-old questions and witnesses finally ready to talk. I know that that's the person that was there. I can describe what he's wearing. I can smell him a mile away. Jesus, Mary, and Josephine, I hope that's not a grave for many. Oh, you know what? I think it is. Listen to Paper Ghosts on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.